Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to the show. We have a super educational podcast episode for you today. I have yet to introduce you on the show to somebody who is having the conversation of bookkeeping. If you're not familiar with what bookkeeping is, essentially it's a fancy word that means you are keeping track of the income coming into your business and the expenses that are leaving your business so that you can make informed decisions, you can be ready for tax season, and so on and so forth. Today, I have Erica Millard, who is a bookkeeping coach coming onto the show. We're going to talk about bookkeeping, aka why you need to be doing it, why people avoid it. We're going to talk about lack and scarcity mistakes that she sees coaches making when it comes to bookkeeping and her favorite software system that will help you make it easier. And also, when is it time to upgrade and outsource either the software system or upgrade to hiring a bookkeeper? It is all inside of today's episode. Let's do it. Hey coach, welcome to the Bibles, Babies, and Business podcast. Are you ready to get more consistent, high ticket clients in your online coaching business without having to go through exhausting flopped launches? Are you constantly searching for podcast episodes, looking for that key to unlocking $10,000 months in your business? Do you have big dreams of becoming debt-free, going on more family vacations, and staying home with your kids? But right now, your business isn't even breaking $2,000 a month? Hey there, I'm Cami. I'm a Christian, a wife, and a soon-to-be mom. A few years ago, before I was known for being a high-ticket sales expert for online coaches, and before I founded my program, High Ticket Powerhouse, which offers some of the best marketing and sales strategy in the coaching industry, I was just your average online coach, struggling to get by. I didn't know how to get clients, make consistent money online, or get out of the painful cycle of living paycheck to paycheck and drowning in debt. And to make matters worse, my husband and I were struggling through years of infertility and needed tens of thousands of dollars to grow our family. Oh, and on top of that, student loans and credit card debt. Needless to say, financially, we were a sinking ship. My business needed to make money. My family depended on it. That's when I discovered the art of how to close high ticket sales. And the best part, you don't need thousands of Instagram followers or ever have to struggle through another duct-taped Instagram launch ever again. In this podcast, you'll find practical sales strategies to use in your own coaching business, biblical principles for the Christian entrepreneur, and a healthy dose of tough love. Because one thing you need to know about me, I don't sugarcoat it. My ultimate goal is to turn you into an absolute powerhouse at selling your high-ticket coaching online so you can be a blessing to your family, a blessing to your clients, and create life-changing impact for the kingdom of heaven. So grab your Bible, your laptop, and let's get to work because you were made for this. Erica, welcome to the show. I was telling you when we were talking, I think it was last week, that bookkeeping is so important, but we haven't had, we have not had that discussion on my show ever. And so I'm so glad that you're here filling that gap. Tell people a little bit about who Erica Millard is. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be the first bookkeeping person on your show. 
Um, so I am a obviously business owner. I am a mom of three, soon to be four kiddos. We currently live in Birmingham, Alabama, where my husband is a medical resident. So he's super busy, gone a lot. So we have lots going on. When we're when I'm not working, we like to be outside and we like to find lots of different ice cream places to try. <laughs> so that's a little bit about us. Awesome. I love that you you have different ice cream places, ice cream places to try. I remember for me growing up, it was Dairy Queen. And yes. in Nebraska, like most I mean, Dairy Queen was it was in the city too, but like when I remember you go to grandma's house and there was the Dairy Queen in a small town. And nice. a lot of small towns had Dairy Queen. It was super nostalgic. So what are some do you guys have like places that are just local to you guys or are there like big name brands like would you guys go out and look for ice cream like is it what does that look like for you yeah we really love you know the cold stone marble slab kind of places Uh that are a little bit more chain but we've recently found a couple local ones that are pretty good too okay i love it what a fun like family tradition to install and yummy family tradition to install with your little (laughs) Yeah, one summer we actually did a like taste testing (laughs) kind of um, train. And so we went to different places and we gave them all scores and we kept track of everybody's score. And so that was really fun. (laughs) That is fun. Have you heard of the, it's like at this date night experience where you, I think it's called progressive dinner, like where you go get an appetizer or you'll get a drink somewhere. You go get an appetizer somewhere. You have an entree and then you have dessert somewhere. And I haven't done it, but it sounds really fun. Have you done it? Yeah, we've done it once or twice, like on a date. And then we've done it I think just once with our kids. We just drew it out of a hat random. So like we put our different favorites into those and it was a really fun memory. So we Aww. need to do that again. That's so good. I love those curating those unique memories with your family. And I know that you mentioned that you will soon have your fourth kiddo in your arms. And it's kind of fun. We're both when we're recording this, uh, we're both uh pregnant. We're both in our third trimester. And uh you were like, we should record this sooner rather than later. I'm like, agreed. So agreed. Uh well thanks so much for coming on the show. Um you are a bookkeeping coach. So excited to have you really explain what is bookkeeping? Why do we need to do it? As a one-woman show, which most of the listeners here are currently operating as a one-woman show, what does that look like? Um, especially if you don't have like an accounting background, a numbers background, we'll get into all that nitty-gritty. First, I'd love for you to tell us, how did you get into bookkeeping and then becoming a bookkeeping coach? Yeah, so I actually have a background in accounting. I went to school for accounting, which it's kind of funny. I did that because I wanted to be in the FBI back in the day. They were really heavily recruiting for white collar crime. And so doing accounting and going the FBI route was a pretty easy open door. So that's why I actually got into it. Unfulfilled dream, never did any of the fraud kind of stuff. But um, I went into accounting also knowing that there was some flexibility. And so When I was pregnant with my first son, I was hoping to be able to work from home some. And that was seven years ago. And back then, it really wasn't that big of a thing to be able to work from home, which is kind of funny now. 
And so anyway, so I had gone to my job and asked them if I could work some from home and they said no. And so that actually propelled me to start my own business. And it was kind of through a crazy set of God circumstances where I was sitting in Starbucks with a girl that I had babysat and she was thinking about going into accounting. And so she's just asking me some different questions about different opportunities that are available in accounting. And a man leans over and he said, well, I could really use someone and I don't care if you work from home. And so he actually became my first bookkeeping client. And so anyway, that just propelled me into starting my own business. And it just grew by word of mouth from there. So again, just kind of crazy circumstances, the church that I was attending at the time, they really needed some help with bookkeeping. The venue where we got married found out that I was doing bookkeeping and they needed help. So I actually just grew by word of mouth, never had to do any marketing. But what I found that happened was I just had these kind of random grouping of clients and I had never really intentionally set out well, who is an ideal client for me? What do I want this to look like? And so I found myself feeling a little unfulfilled just because it started to get very mundane and just task oriented. And I felt like I had some of these other giftings that weren't quite being utilized. And I just couldn't quite place, well, what am I supposed to do with all of these feelings? And so I actually went on a business retreat and there they really helped me recognize okay, let's start to identify who your ideal client is, who you want to work with. And so I set out thinking, okay, I want to work and do full service bookkeeping for like very high level female CEOs, like 100 figure or 100,000 plus businesses. And what I found is who I actually connected with more were those people doing it themselves and they just needed some help. So I had three or four people within six weeks come to me and say, I can't afford a full service bookkeeper yet, but could you just teach me how to use QuickBooks? Or could you just look at my spreadsheet and make sure that I'm tracking everything right? Or could you just help me understand what do these reports say so that I don't cry when I go talk to my CPA? And so I just started to think, okay, well, maybe there's something here. Maybe there is a missing gap in this space of who is helping the people that are in the trenches doing it themselves and whether that is just out of necessity because you can't quite afford a full service bookkeeper yet or you just like the control of actually doing the numbers yourself i find most people are in kind of those two camps um there is still just a lack of education and there's a lot of messaging around well let's just leave that for the experts And I really love helping debunk that because, yes, there are some complicated accounting principles, but for the most part, we can actually understand the numbers on a basic level. And so that is what I'm really passionate about is really helping business owners go from overwhelmed, confused, kind of avoiding looking at their numbers to feeling empowered and actually excited about doing their bookkeeping. From a sales perspective, I'm like, I'm going to geek out here for a second. From a sales perspective, what I love about the work that you're doing is that it is so in demand. Every single business has to have books. I mean, if you're going to run a legitimate business, a legal business, um, one that is um, doing things the right way, 
you have to have bookkeeping. And so because there's so much demand for it, you can be specific about who it is that you're wanting to to serve and there will never not be somebody that needs your help. So for, that is like music to my ears from a sales perspective, because like one of the things that I teach people is like, you got to solve the problem and that problem needs to be big. It needs to be in demand, which is something that sometimes people miss. They'll, they'll, they'll solve a problem that like they can't find huge groups of people that have this problem. And so I love hearing this work that you do because so many people need it. And you're right. When you were saying earlier that, you know, some people will avoid looking at the numbers. That was me. For the first several years in my business, man, like I I have been blessed to have had financial success now, but I did not start off with financial success in my business. There was like a few really hard, hard years financially. Things didn't really start taking off until like maybe around end of year two, year three-ish. And during those first two years, even into year four, I think just because those money mindset issues lingered, I avoided looking at the numbers so much so that when it came to tax season, I would not do my income or expense reports until I absolutely had to. And then I would sit down and do them all at once. And I told one of my friends in the online space, I said, you know what? For 2023, my intention for this year is to do them monthly. And so um, it's not perfect, but like the, usually it's like the last working day of the month. I'll sit down and I'll do my income and expense reports for the month. And that allows me to know like, where am I at on a month to month basis and not just leaving things for an annual review, which creates a lot of stress. That being said, though, can you speak to that discomfort that I'm sure you see a lot of people having around? It's like, okay, Erica, I, 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 maybe, yes, I have a thing or two to learn about like how to like actually document the numbers. But my biggest block in doing it is the fact that I feel so uncomfortable looking at the numbers, which is what your show is called. We'll get to the podcast, uh, Getting Comfy with Numbers. But can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, it is a very common thing that I hear over and over from working, especially with female entrepreneurs. I think Again, we've just kind of bought into this, oh, well, that's just for the experts or that's just for the professionals. And I actually find that sometimes if you leave it to the professionals, it's actually not even helpful for you because I've seen a lot of hesitancy with, well, I'm not really sure if this bookkeeper even knows what they're doing, but I don't know what I'm doing enough to know if they know what they're doing. <laughs> and so again, it just can perpetuate this avoidance of actually looking at things when you have some of those fears and blocks around money. And so that is probably one of my biggest encouragements is just to figure out, okay, what is a step that you can take towards overcoming some of those fears? So what is it exactly that's holding you back? Is it fear that you aren't stewarding your money well? Or is it fear of success that you might actually be doing well and then money might change you. I feel like I hear that a lot of times too. Is it just some of those past experiences of working with professionals that made you feel icky or made you feel dumb that is hard to overcome? Or like one of my clients, she came to me and said, I failed accounting in college. So this is just a really touchy subject for me. And so is it some of those past experiences that are holding you back? Is it just 
it's easier to avoid it. It's easier to not know. And some of the fear of, I don't know what I'm going to find when I actually do my bookkeeping. Um, maybe my sales aren't as good as I think they are, or maybe I'm spending more money than I realize that I am. Just all of those factors can play into it. Um, but my encouragement is just take a step to figure out, okay, what is it exactly that's holding me back? And then what can I do to make a change? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we talk about on the show um, occasionally is the brain and how our brain is really the organ behind our mindset, which is ironically not talked about a lot. People talk about mindset all the time, but they don't really talk about the brain, the organ behind the mindset. And our brain is hardwired to keep us comfortable and safe. It's not hardwired to help us grow. That's one thing. And so if your brain is perceiving that this is an area of pain for you or an area of scarcity or lack or just there's there's it's sensing danger in this area it's going to do everything it can to keep you from doing that and i fell into that trap i was like this is i, I was afraid of lack i was afraid of scarcity i was afraid that i wasn't doing as good as maybe i had hoped i'd been doing i was afraid of looking at the numbers and that they would just reflect failure. I was, I was so scared. And so no wonder my brain was resistant to that. And, and I've made some progress in that, which is super nice, but um, it is so interesting. And which is why I really appreciated that you, you talk about the fact that you have to have awareness. Why are you avoiding it? Because what the reason why I'm avoiding is different than somebody else. Um, and we all have our unique relationships with money, um, but awareness is going to be super, super key. So thank you for speaking towards that. When it when when we talk about bookkeeping, what actually is it? Like like can you just give an overview of bookkeeping systems? Like what do you recommend? What is the practice of bookkeeping? Yep, great question. And this is confusing because you'll hear terms interchangeably, right? Accountant, bookkeeper, bookkeeping, accounting, they get all mixed and intertangled. And so Bookkeeping is really just managing and categorizing the ins and outs of the day-to-day transactions. So an example that I like to use is if it was Easter time and you picked your favorite Easter colored egg candies and you separated those candies into the like colors, well, bookkeeping is really separating or categorizing all of your different types of expenses and sales into like groups. And so really what you want to do is categorize, okay, what is all of the income or packages or sales that are coming into my business? And then what are all of the expenses and kind of group them into like categories? And then you'll get what we call your net income. And that is what you pay taxes on. And so really you're trying to organize that for your tax professional so that, or if you file taxes on your own, so that it's organized for tax purposes. And you can see, again, when you file a tax form, they're just going to want to see, okay, what was all that income? What was all those expenses? And then what is the net result of that? And actually, one of my clients didn't realize that you pay taxes on the net. And so she was paying taxes just on all of her sales. And so anyway, so that is actually a big piece is that it's typically the net is what you're going to pay taxes on plus or minus a few other 
crazy things that they determine every year. Um, but bookkeeping is just that day-to-day operations. Um, and there's several different systems you can go with. So a spreadsheet is totally fine in the beginning stages of your business. I am not anti-spreadsheet. But the thing that you just want to keep in mind with a spreadsheet is that over time, there's no automations with a spreadsheet, right? So it is going to become manual as you grow. And it's a little trickier to figure out how you're going to invoice your clients. And it's not as professional looking if you're just going to, you know, send a Word document or something like that to invoice your clients. And so when you get into growing your business, when you get into this is taking me a lot of time to just manually input all this stuff into a spreadsheet. That's when I say it's about time to start looking into a system or a software. There's several big names right now. There's Wave, there's QuickBooks, there's Zero. Those are all fairly equal in terms of what they do, but they're just going to help you automate the process and make it go smoother and also that give a better experience for your clients if you're going to invoice through a bookkeeping platform like that. Um, so those are some of the systems that you can use and we can get into that more if you want, but there are, yeah, just things that will help you over time automate as you grow. That's good to know. And especially like the word automation is almost like the sparkly word, I think in the beginning of entrepreneurship, because it's like, oh man, that would be so nice. We love an automated world. We just do. Um, you know, like when I do this, it automatically does that and it takes work off our, our plate. In the beginning of entrepreneurship, like we are wearing all the hats and there's probably hardly any automation in the beginning, which can make it, you know, it's, 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 it's for a season because you have to know what to actually automate. Um, but that word automation can almost sometimes be, I think, intimidating for people. It's like, well, what do I automate? How do I automate? And, and, you know, when do I know when there is the right time to automate? So with that being said, can you, are there any like metrics? Like when you say, um, you know, if it's taking you a long time or as your business grows, is there any specific metric that you would recommend of like, hey, when your business is making X amount of dollars or, you know, if it's taking you longer than X, Y, Z amount of time, or if you have more than XYZ clients that you're managing, then would be a maybe a wise time to make that investment. Because another thing that I know that coaches are are fearful of is, well, what if I make the investment too early and I'm not ready for it? Yeah. So typically for what I see is it's more transaction based than like an actual number of clients or number of sales. So if you start having to manually input 20 to 50 transactions that are not recurring every month into a spreadsheet. That's about when I say it's time to look into a software because if you have mostly just subscriptions or things that are relatively the same every month, it's pretty easy in your spreadsheet to just drag that across for the whole year. And so let's say you're using Flowdesk and it's $19 a month. You can just input, okay, it's 19 put that $19 and drag it and that's easy. But when you start to have to dig back through, okay, here's this receipt for this one-time Amazon purchase or this one-time course that I bought or this mastermind. And then you have to go back through and add all of those specific things in. That's about when it's time to just get it automated, 
because some of what a bookkeeping software will do is say, oh, okay, you're going to categorize that Flowdesk recurring subscription to, let's say, advertising. Well, I'm going to try to predict for you that every time you mark it as Flowdesk, it's going to be advertising. And so it just makes it simpler. And so those are what I mean practically by some of the automations is it's just going to try to predict for you how you've categorized something in the past so that it's faster. And most of my clients, when they use my free bookkeeping checklist, which will give you these steps to take every time you sit down to do your bookkeeping, do these six simple things every month in order to maintain your bookkeeping. When they go through my checklist and they have their system set up properly, they can do it in an hour or less a month. And really at that point, it's not even worth outsourcing (laughs) because you can't probably find a good bookkeeper that will be worth the time that you're investing if you can do it in an hour or less a month. So that is my advice. And if it starts to get more than that, then that's probably when it's time to reach out to someone to just make sure that your automations are all set up properly. If you want to keep maintaining it yourself or, okay, if it's taking you four or five hours a month, that's when it's time to outsource probably to a bookkeeper. And a bookkeeper is just someone that is going to actually do all of that day-to-day operations for you. So they're going to manage entering all the income, entering all of the expenses, and have things all ready for you for your tax person. And sometimes, depending on the level of bookkeeper, they'll review it with you. Okay, here's some things and offer their advice. You know, here's some things, some places you might want to cut back. Here's some places that you might want to look into. And so that is what a bookkeeper is supposed to help you do is actually get all of that managed and then help you start to make some decisions on the numbers. And then a tax accountant is really the person that will be filing the taxes for you and they'll be taking those bookkeeping reports and then sending it off to a tax professional. So sometimes all of that language can get really confusing. So that's why I just took a minute to explain the differences of all those different people. Yeah, thank you for doing that. And and the other question I was going to ask is like, you mentioned some software systems that you that are out there. You mentioned QuickBooks, Xero. Um, there was another one you mentioned. Do you have a preference? Yeah, so QuickBooks is still my favorite. And actually, I got an email today, you know, Wave has been a a software that people like to use because it's free. But I actually got an email just today that they're about to start charging for it. And so that even changes my recommendation more to use QuickBooks because zero and now zero is gaining some um fame and notoriety here in the US, but it's typically been more prevalent internationally. And so I still recommend QuickBooks because it's still the household name. It is still the one that most people know, most people recognize. And if you get to the point that you're ready to outsource it, I've actually found it's harder to find a bookkeeper that will work in either Wave or Zero. You can find them, You just have more limited choices. And so by the time you go through all of that, it's just, in my opinion, worth using what the household name is. And they do have levels to where, again, you can kind of grow. So some of their reports, some of their breakdowns of different projects and different things, how you can split things in their system is still, I think, 
better than some of those other ones. And especially now, if you have to pay for Wave, I think QuickBooks is still the way to go. That's good to know. I've definitely heard QuickBooks um, name a lot when it comes to bookkeeping. So that's really good to know. Why is it that you recommend people starting off in their business doing it themselves um, with bookkeeping for a season, even if that's not how they always do it forever? Yeah. And I think this is an unpopular opinion because I do think it's valuable to really actually understand all the ins and outs of what is going on with bookkeeping. I think one, because then you'll actually appreciate your bookkeeper more if you understand what all is going into it and all the job that they're doing for you. But really to just gain that just first level of foundation of understanding of okay, this is what transactions are. This is how they kind of flow together to create reports. And it will really force you to see where those gaps in your knowledge are. And I think that's actually really good because then you won't just blindly take someone else's advice when they start to get, when, when you start to grow and you start to have different advisors in your business, you can really actually see the numbers for yourself and feel like, okay, I actually have the knowledge to make a decision about this now, or I know what these words mean when they're talking to me about it so that I can give a really valuable opinion back. And like I mentioned before, I just have seen so many times where people outsourced it really fast because they were avoiding doing it. And then they just didn't really have very much confidence in their bookkeeper, or they would just take their bookkeeper's advice, which they are valuable professionals, but without having a knowledge of what they were actually advising them to do, it just made them second guess some of those decisions because they were just following someone else's input instead of having that foundation of knowledge for themselves. So that's really why I think it's valuable for a season, even if it's a short season or if it's a longer season than you plan on it being, it is valuable to do it yourself for a while. Absolutely. And and also like from a sales perspective, the thing that like my books show me is which offer am I selling that I'm making the most money on? And for me, that's powerhouse. And, but like, I, I may not, I mean, I would know that information just off the top of my head, but a person might not know that information if they have multiple offers that they're putting out into the world. Um, I am a big fan of like promoting one offer, making that thing big and bold and then adding to your product suite. But like, that's not how everybody does it. And that's fine. Um, but it is such valuable information for you to make business decisions. If you know which offer is making the most money, which offer is costing you the most money. And it's hard to like make educated decisions about growth and sales if you don't have that information. Exactly. And if you're only looking at it once a year, that's really not fast enough for you to make decisions. It's not quick enough for you to be able to keep up with the trends of what's happening. If you need to make a shift in your business it's really not enough information, right? And a lot of times it's in a stressful season of, well, I just got to get this done for taxes. And so you're not really going into it thinking, okay, let me actually see what these numbers are telling me. You're really just going into it like, let me get the compliance side right. 
and then I'll deal with it later. And that's not really what I ultimately want for people. So yes, you need to get your bookkeeping in a simple and easy routine so that you can see the numbers. But then I love to help people understand, okay, so what are these numbers actually telling me? Exactly what you're saying. Which of my offers are selling the most? Which ones are selling the least? Maybe I'm spending so much time on marketing this one thing and this other thing is actually what's selling more. Or maybe I just did this giant ads campaign and it didn't increase my revenue at all. So it's not really worth the investment. Or what subscriptions have I signed up for that I forgot about and I'm just wasting money on? So you can't make those decisions if you're only looking at it once a year. Right. And not to mention, if you're if you're looking at it right before taxes, which is oftentimes the spring, um, once you start to get to the point in your business where you're kind of like on that tax bracket, like you're like, I could be in this tax bracket, I could be in the other tax bracket. If you're looking at it on a monthly basis, it also gives you the opportunity as you get closer to the end of the year. Now, this is not like tax advice. This is just something that like I've I've heard and so I'm sharing it on the show is if you're get, if you're looking at your numbers on a monthly basis at least and you're getting towards the end of the year and you're 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 seeking advice from a professional on like hey where am i sitting based upon these current numbers what what is my projected tax pay in going to be next year and like let's say that you need to make an investment in your business um maybe an investment that you were already planning to do you know a tax professional can advise you and like on if that's the right move or if that's not the right move but if you wait until like February or March, and then you're like, oh, shoot, man, had I just actually spent $12,000 more, which I know kind of seems backwards, but but really like when you start to get to a, a, a place in your business where you're, where you're like, man, if I'm going to have to pay in seven grand, I would rather like pay in less money and invest in, a, in another season space in my business where I'm, I, I'm going to have to spend money anyway, I might as well be pouring into the business. Yes, I'm still going to have to probably pay into taxes, but an advisor, professional advisor can, can, like I said, advise you on that so that you don't get to a point in like February where like, shoot, like now I'm paying more in taxes because I I avoided making that investment where really I could have made that investment and actually had it be a benefit to myself come tax season. So that's like another thing that um, I've heard. Again, I'm not saying that that's tax advice, but that is something that I've heard in the space um, for you to discuss with your tax professional and you lose out on that opportunity if you're waiting to the last minute. Yeah, exactly. So these are the kinds of things like you can't do, you can't see if you don't have current numbers to be looking at. And so, yes, a tax professional would totally be the person to help you figure out some of those pieces, but exactly what you're saying. And I think even as Christians, like that is being part of a good steward is really making sure that we're making wise investments, that we're not just throwing away money, that we're not getting caught up in shiny object syndrome, but we're really being wise in making some of those decisions and making sure that the things that we're investing in are going to propel us forward to that next level of business where we need to be and not just, oh, well, here's a course here and a mastermind there and it not really be what is needed for that season right now. So again, I think it's easy to just put off and avoid, but it actually goes into so many depths of like who we are and the decisions that we can make. 
Yeah, absolutely. And to just speak a little encouragement over the person who was in the shoes that like, like when that you're, maybe you're avoiding it, you're avoiding it to the absolute last second. And then when you are doing it, you're dreading it every single moment. Um, remember in the Bible that it says, if you steward well, what little I give you, I will make you ruler over much. And like also in Habakkuk 2, 2, where it says like, write the vision, make it plain. I'm paraphrasing this, but write the vision, make it plain. And if, if that, like, this is for a future time. And if it seems slow and coming, be patient, like it, it's not going to be delayed. And so Yes, you might have seasons where you look at your numbers and you're not thrilled, okay? And don't let that be a moment of condemnation because the enemy will look for an opportunity to get a foothold in that. And that's what we don't want. What we do want is to look at these numbers from a place of like, and pray, pray before you before you look at your numbers. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in with a sense of conviction and grace and peace and wisdom rather than letting the enemy give you condemnation and anxiety and fear and scarcity and lack. Um, so that you can look at these numbers with wisdom, steward over this gift of the business that you've been given well, and then make an objective decision, meaning a, a decision based upon facts and in this case, like the Holy Spirit's wisdom, rather than making a decision based upon trauma or fear or scarcity or lack, because that's not how the Lord's going to uh, move you. Like he, he's not here to manipulate your emotions. He's not going to... Uh, scare you into a decision or manipulate you into a decision. So um, all of that just wanted to encourage somebody who is maybe late waiting till the absolute last second to do all their, their books for the year. So Erica, this has been such a great conversation. One of the last questions I have for you is what mistakes do you see? I'm going to say coaches because that's who's listening here. What mistakes do you see coaches make when it comes to bookkeeping or maybe the lack of bookkeeping? Yeah, so nitty gritty in the very beginning, it's mixing your personal and your business expenses together. So just very first basic step is open a separate checking account so that you can separate those things. And actually, a lot of people don't understand. Um, but every time I post about this, attorneys chime in and say, yes, please tell people that if you're an LLC, it can actually mess up your LLC status if you start to mix your personal and your business too much because they can't quite determine, well, what is business and what is personal? And it's all what they call co-mingled or mixed together. And so that is just one basic step is open that separate checking account. You know, it all happens to us where we're out and we don't have the right card and a couple transactions isn't going to be huge, but just do your best to make sure everything flows through that business account. Um, so that's one simple thing you can do. And then again, we've kind of harped on this, but just not creating a routine to actually do your bookkeeping. So my recommendation is to do it monthly. If that feels overwhelming right now, then just do it quarterly and set that time aside um, sometimes I find some of my clients have said that they had to make a fun ritual out of their bookkeeping. So they light a certain candle or they go to their favorite coffee shop and they treat themselves to their favorite drink or they do something fun to reward themselves so that they could create that new habit of actually doing it. And they don't have to do that forever. It's just that first little bit to help kind of get over some of that avoidance. Some of my other clients 
pain is more of a factor for them. So they've determined that they won't pay themselves until they've done their bookkeeping. And so that's just another thing that you can do to kind of trick yourself into this is going to force me to do it for the season is I'm not going to pay myself until I've actually done my bookkeeping. So just not keeping up with it and living in that avoidance. And then another thing is I see people just get into, okay, I've done it for compliance purposes. Everything's categorized and now I can move on. And what I really want to encourage you to do is take it a step further after that and start digging into some of those things that we were talking about. Which of your packages are selling the most? Which things are selling the least? Just start to ask yourself some of those questions. Are there any words on these reports that I don't understand that I can learn to educate myself on? Is there someone that I need to start working with to help me just overcome some of those things? Is there a financial professional I've been working with that makes me feel just icky? And so it's time to switch that person because I think I often also hear like, well, this is just how the industry is. And I just want to overcome that by saying there are plenty of people that have the heart of a teacher to really help you. So they might be a little bit fewer, but just really try to keep finding that person that is going to help explain things to you and actually be responsive and encouraging and do it in a loving manner and not a condemning manner. And so those are some mistakes that I see. It's just that people will stay in that state of this is kind of icky and they just stay there versus not realizing, okay, there's people that are different than that. Um, so the bank account, not looking at your reports, not doing your bookkeeping, and then just staying in that uneducated state are all mistakes that I see people make. That's so wise what you just said. You know, and another thing to kind of add into that is like if if you're paying somebody that is making you feel icky, might be time to find somebody different to pay. Um, now there's a difference between somebody lovingly coming to you and helping you as a mirror see something that is going to further your growth. But if someone's condemning you, if someone is making you feel stupid, if someone is just really making you feel icky, there's plenty other people who'd be happy to receive your money. So <laughs> love that. Thanks for sharing that, Erica. Uh, before we close out today, first off, thanks for sharing your time with us. I appreciate you. Can you tell the listeners where they can come and hang out with you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Erica underscore Millard. My website is also ericamillard.com. And then I have my own podcast called Get Comfy with Numbers. And it is all about making money and bookkeeping easy for female entrepreneurs. So I actually, at the end of most of the episodes, even have a segment where I dig into different financial jargon. So if that's something that you're really trying to learn, I debunk, okay, what do these words mean? What do they mean in layman terms? And what am I supposed to do with them? Um, there's segments at the end of each episode just teaching you what all of these words mean. And so that is really what my show is about. It's just helping people understand numbers even more, making it simpler and easier. So you can also check that out too. Sounds great. Well, we will be sure to link your podcast and your Instagram below. Go hang out with Erica and get comfy with numbers. Hey coach. Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you got exactly what you needed to hear, even if it stung a little. 
Every week, I am committed to showing up here on the show and bringing you not one, but two value-packed episodes to help you grow deeper in your faith, build a profitable coaching business, and become an absolute powerhouse at getting high-ticket coaching clients online. And the number one way that you can support the Bible's Babies and Business podcast is by taking 30 seconds to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and then share this show with a friend. Thank you for partnering with me to get these episodes out to as many online coaches as possible because the world needs more powerhouse women building online coaching businesses for the kingdom of heaven. I appreciate you. I love you. And I'll see you in the next episode.